Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Hey there, and thanks for tuning in. In this week's sermon, I explore temptations of approval all the ways in which we seek other people's approval over our lives and how we can get caught up in people-pleasing or even changing parts about who we are in order to feel like we belong. This was the third part of a series where we explored the temptations that Jesus faced in the wilderness. And so I hope that uh, the sermon speaks to your life and that you have a fantastic week. Good morning. It is good to be preaching. It is good to be with you this morning in the fourth week of our series tied to the one journey. This Lent, we've been in a a series looking at the journey that Jesus took through the wilderness immediately after his baptism. The heavens were torn open and the Spirit descended like a dove and a voice cried out, You are my Son, the Beloved, and with you I am well pleased. And immediately after that, the Spirit, the same Spirit, drove Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days where Jesus was famished, right? He hadn't eaten anything in 40 days. How many of you have gone 40 days without eating? 40 hours? Fred's saying, I don't go 40 minutes without eating, right? He was famished. And it was at that point, at the end of these 40 days, that the devil comes to tempt Jesus. The first temptation is the temptation of appetite. Turn the stone into bread so that you can fill yourself, Jesus. And we explored the ways in which we all try to fill ourselves, not just with food, but with things. And how we live in a culture where we want more and more and more. We say bigger is, right? We are marinating in that culture all the time. And so we looked carefully at temptations of the appetite. And then the devil moved on to the second temptation, the temptation of ambition, where the devil led Jesus up onto a high mountain and the devil showed him all the kingdoms of the earth and he said, look out there, Jesus. See all those vineyards? See all those fields of of wheat and barley? See all of those armies of all the kingdoms of the earth? That could all be yours. You can sit in the throne of comfort and power if you just, if you just worship me. The temptation of ambition. To want to achieve more and more and more and the darkness of that temptation, which is to make it all about ourselves, our kingdom, not God's kingdom. Jesus resisted, and then we move to our temptation for today, the temptation of approval, the temptation of wanting people to like us, of wanting to change parts of who we are so that we might fit in. And so the devil leads Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple. They're, 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 they're um, like, you know, Star Trek, right? It's Star Trek, isn't it? I'm not a Trekkie. But like, beam me up, Scotty. Is that Star Trek? Okay, got it. I didn't know Star Wars, Star Trek, don't hate. 
I just don't know the difference. I, I was too busy playing with G.I. Joes for Star Wars. And beam me up, Scotty, right? They're like transported from the wilderness immediately to Jerusalem. From being isolated and alone in the desert with the devil to now they're in Jerusalem on the pinnacle of the temple, on the very far corner. Now this is significant because on the festival of Yom Kippur, the highest, holiest day for the Jewish people, someone would go to the far corner, the top of the temple, and they would blow a shofar, a ram's horn, this big twisted horn. And when they blew the horn on Yom Kippur, it was believed that God's very self would enter into that corner of the temple and that was the day of atonement when the people's sins would be forgiven. And so the far corner of the temple represents where God, where the holy resides. And so here's the temptation with the devil and Jesus standing on the pinnacle of the temple with crowds gathered below. Jesus, throw yourself off of here. Because we know that God won't let anything bad happen to you. And all the people will see below. Angels fly out of nowhere. And they will scoop you up. And at the far corner of the temple where God is known to reside, all the people will see you, Jesus. And they will below say, Wow! That is God! God is here, and this magical, mystical sight will bewilder the people, and you will float down, and your foot will not dash against a stone. And can you imagine, Jesus, when you land below with the angels near you, the approval, the affection, the love, the wonder people will have about you? Temptation of approval. Do something miraculous. Do something that's not in your mission plan, but do it to earn people's approval. Now luckily we know that Jesus resists. But so often we, we can't. I want you to think in your own life for a moment. When did you first feel the pressure in your life to earn people's approval. You might have to go back a few years. Can you think of a moment, a time, maybe you were just young. Maybe it wasn't until you entered the workforce or you got into high school. But if we all pressed, I think we could think of many instances throughout our life when we felt tempted, pressured, to seek other people's approval. And what often happens is we change parts about who we truly are. We change our behavior. We, we say things we, we really don't believe just to earn the affection of other people. Now this week, I've been wrestling with this and, and thinking about approval. And I was transformed or transfixed back to a memory of a family vacation that my family took. My dad was in sales. For U.S. food service, he called on restaurants, country clubs. They did their purchasing through him. And as, as a sales professional, my dad would, would be incentivized to sell, you know, peas and carrots, right? 
And if he sold enough peas and carrots, maybe we could go on a trip. And this year, my dad won a trip, an all-inclusive trip for his family to Las Vegas, right? Now, my sister and I were little. I was in fourth grade. But there we went, family and all, to Las Vegas. Now, I thought this was really, really awesome for one primary reason. I couldn't gamble, couldn't drink, obviously, but I have always been a gigantic Elvis fan. Always. The year before in third grade, I got the star role the only time besides a year ago I've ever publicly sang, and we don't want to go back there, right? <laughs> Some of you were here when I did that, and I'm still working, you know, I still, you know, I, I need to build the church for therapy because I'm still in it, but but there we went. The year before, I was in a play, Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat. I played the role of Pharaoh who took on the persona of Elvis, right? So I loved Elvis. And here we're going to Las Vegas, and I knew that Elvis performed in Las Vegas from 72 to 77 up until he died on August 16, 1977, that tragic day. God rest his soul. But there we were going to Viva Las Vegas, baby. And I couldn't wait, right? And I knew I needed one thing in my life at that time, to really live the Elvis persona. And that was a cool rockin' leather jacket. I didn't have one. And I was really into the Elvis of the 50s and 60s. That 1968 comeback special in all black on CBS. Some of you remember that. I mean, I just watched it in documentaries. But I thought, I need a jacket. And there we were at the Hard Rock Cafe Las Vegas in the gift shop, And there it was. Ooh, was it pretty. And I went up to my dad, who's a sucker, and I said, Dad, that jacket is so awesome. Makes me think of Elvis. And he bought it for me. It costs like $350. Las Vegas prices, right? My mom was so mad. You, I went to the bathroom. You did what, Rob? You bought him. He's in fourth grade. He doesn't need a... But I had that jacket, and I loved that jacket. You couldn't take that jacket off of me for three or four more years. No joke. I wore that jacket every day. Every day. Fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, into seventh grade. I wore that jacket every day day. In the left front pocket, I had a lucky Buckeye, an Ohio boy, a little Buckeye, and when I'd get nervous before a test, I'd squeeze that lucky Buckeye. I was armed with that jacket to to, to solve world hunger, right? But with that jacket, I wore teal sweatpants every day. (laughs) This is the truth. Unaware of other people's opinions and thoughts and trying to fit in. I've been thinking about this as Noah likes to get dressed, my two-year-old, in the morning. And, you know, let's pick out some clothes. And I want him to match. I want him to look cool, you know. And he's like, no, I want the dinosaur short shirt with the cheetah pants, you know. It, it's so innocent, right? So we, we dress him in that. And I wore that jacket. And I remember in seventh grade, I felt called. I felt called. The first time I've ever felt called in my life to something. I felt called to serve 
as a Hannah Ashton Middle School peer mediator. Some of you might know what a peer mediator is. I was one of them. At recess, I had a neon green clipboard, Hard Rock Cafe leather jacket, teal sweatpants, and my job was to help solve conflicts between fellow classmates. Peer mediator, right? The early rumblings of a call to ministry. And there I was at recess with my green clipboard and my leather jacket, and I thought I was just living my best life ever. I would meet with students and, well, you know, you need to share the ball, and why don't you explain how you feel, and you explain how you feel. And in seventh grade, I just was on top of the world. Nothing could hold me back. Until one day, one day, I was walking home from school, and there was a neighbor kid named Jason, who I always kind of stayed away from, a couple years older, a little bit more cool. And I walked up to this group of, of kids, and Jason was in the center, and I kind of heard them talking about me as I walked up. Right? You know where this is going, don't you? Hey, here comes that kid with that stupid jacket. Doesn't he know he's such a dork? Who wears a leather jacket and teal sweatpants? Who even does that? Just laying it on thick, right? Up until that point in my life, I was totally unaware that I wasn't cool. I was cool. But all of a sudden, I, I, I wasn't anymore because I wasn't wearing the right clothes or doing the right thing. That deeply affected me. I went home that day and I hung that jacket up. The next week or over the next few months, seventh grade, going into eighth grade, I started insisting that we shopped at American Eagle and Abercrombie and Fitch. My mom said, where, where, where is this coming from? Any young people in here right now that feel like you have to wear a certain brand? Any parents in here scratching your head thinking, what happened to my child that they're so consumed with fitting in? Anyone in here still struggling with that? Everyone willing to be honest? Throughout our whole life, we struggle with finding approval and other people's opinions, and other people's thoughts, right? And the temptation is to change our behavior, or to act differently, or to say something that we truly aren't convicted about, in order to be liked, in order to take the easy way out, right? Think about it for Jesus in the text. If Jesus allowed the angels to carry him down, and for people to be wowed and wondered, well, what would that mean for Jesus? One thing, people would instantly respect him and, and be awestruck by him. But I think the real temptation for Jesus is this. If he jumps off the pinnacle of the temple and allows the angels to carry him down, well, that would probably mean that Jesus could skip right over all of the parables, all of the teaching, all of the hard truth, the throwing over of tables in the temple, the words of conviction. I wonder if Jesus felt tempted throughout his ministry to be liked. Heaven knows it's a temptation we feel, you feel, 
It's a temptation that I think the devil works into our hearts and into our souls to people please. But the resume of the Messiah would not have approval or popularity on the list. In fact, it would be the opposite. For the Messiah was to be one who would be rejected. One who would be thrown away. One who would be denied, who would be abandoned, who would be betrayed. The resume of the Messiah would have on it rejection socially, politically, religiously. Jesus would become the incarnate outcast and he would die on a cross to redeem all of humanity, to show us once and for all that love and life and justice always win over popularity and power and might. Those things Jesus knew were fleeting. Jesus resists the temptations of approval from people so that he could stay faithful to his mission from God, which is to show the world the unpopular thing, that the kids in the teal sweatpants and the leather jackets, they are beloved children of God, that those that the world looks down upon or speaks ill of, those are the people whom God favors. You see, Jesus wasn't trying to fit in with the cool crowd. He stayed true to his mission. And our calling is to stay true to our mission. And so it's been a long time, baby. A long time coming. But here we go. All right? All right? Am I right? I might have taken it off, but it's never left my closet. <laughs> and now let me get down in here. Get down in here. Is that Lucky Buckeye? You know where this went with me? To Iraq. And I would hold that and squeeze that when I got nervous. And you know the other cool thing about this jacket that I just now realized? Right here on the chest is an embroidery. Do you know what it says? Love all, serve all. Do you know the back, the Hard Rock Cafe? Look at this, look at this, Las Vegas. The back says, save the planet. What is our mission statement at Prince of Peace? To live and... Sounds a lot like love all, serve all. What is our vision at Prince of Peace? A world restored with grace and peace? That sounds a lot like save the planet. Little did I know that in fourth, fifth, sixth grade, it was the, the early ruminations of a mission and vision for a church. You see, when you take off the jacket in life, when you put on a false self, you not only run the risk of trying to fit in and trying to be popular, you run the risk of losing sight of your purpose, your mission, the calling that God has placed on your life. And in seventh grade, as simple and silly as it is, as a peer mediator armed with my clipboard and my jacket, I knew I was called to love all, serve all, and to help save the planet, one conflict at a time. What is God calling you to either take off or to put back on so that you might remember whose you truly are, so that you might embrace real abundant life. For God loves you, and I do too. Amen. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.